Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. On Talk Radio. Morning and welcome to yet another very special edition of the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. We are live in the Horseshoe, one of the great pubs of old London town uh, in the shadow of the Shard. I'm joined by Kevin O'Sullivan, uh, my erstwhile hospitality partner. Deanna Davison is here, uh, Tory MP for Bishop Auckland. Uh, we are ready, willing and able to drink 124 pints each in order to <laughs> save the economy. However, we won't do it in the next three hours. We'll maybe do six hours, <laughs> two or three. But it's going to be a great day. If you're in the hospitality business, you're going to be very happy. If you run a cinema, you're going to be pretty happy. If you're in the travel business, you might actually get some business today. Uh, there's lots to talk about. We've got a whole host of great guests, including Peter Hitchens coming along. Lee Anderson MP is going to be here. Maya Tuzzi, Ali Ross is going to talk about that dreadful TV show that was on last night, probably later on as well. We want to hear from all of you. We might not be taking your calls today, but we will be taking all your messages on Twitter, at Talk Radio, at IROMG, at TV. Kev. And of course, uh, you can email us, uh, you can text us 87222. We are at the opening of the economy, the proper opening. It's not April the 12th. It's not when you can only have a few people sitting outside, freezing in the rain, sitting there, shivering in the snow. No, we're actually inside. Look at these beautiful leather armchairs. Somebody said it looks a bit like Tales from the Unexpected, uh, which of course, <laughs> if you're not that old, you won't remember. But there'll be plenty of unexpected tales. There'll be plenty of news. There'll be plenty uh, of entertainment as well. This is the Independent Republic of Microwave. We are the only radio station that takes the business of business seriously because we are not frightened of the Indian variant. We're looking at it. We're taking our time to see whether it's going to do any damage. However, the bottom line is the economy needs fixing and it needs fixing now. 0344 499 1000 is the number. We're live from the horseshoe. This is the home of common sense. This is Talk Radio. Cheers. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. Now, I'm delighted to say that our very first guest in our very first show inside a pub for the first time, I think since December, Jenna Davison, who was here with us uh, down at the Houses of Parliament, just to show how versatile we all are. You know, one week we're sitting outside the, the mother of all democracies talking about the Queen's speech. Here we are today talking about Lager Shandies. Oh, it's my, my preferred topic to Welcome. be honest, Mike. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Thank you very much for coming down. So, I mean, this is such an important day, though, isn't it? Not just for, for those people who want to be out and about with their friends and their families, hugging each other, um, you know, getting stuck into a bit of proper socialising, but actually businesses as well. 
Well, completely. As we know, the hospitality industry has had a really difficult year um, with, you know, mostly closures or only able to open outside, which has kind of shut out some of the hospitality businesses. So today's a huge day and I've already had uh, word from a lot of my kind of businesses in Bishop Auckland about how excited they were to open today and I can't wait to get up and see them at the weekend. Absolutely right. How is Bishop Auckland at the moment? Because obviously different places have got different problems. We're hearing this morning, for example, that Bolton, uh, all the hospitals there have cancelled mm. all appointments and all uh, various operations and things because of the, the COVID. COVID scare because of the Indian variant. Nobody's quite sure really how bad this is. We keep hearing people are frightened about it, and uh, we had Matt Hancock saying it spreads like wildfire. I don't even know what he means by that exactly. But but what's the, what's the view in the rest of the country? Well, I think I think the reason that there's a there's a little bit of cause for concern is because it is more transmissible and it transmits much more quickly between people. So obviously we need to keep an eye on it and make sure it isn't going to spread like wildfire. Um, but at the moment, you know, we aren't seeing a massive increase in hospitalizations, which is a really good thing. We certainly aren't seeing an increase in deaths, which again is a good thing yeah. and means we're able to move on to this stage of the roadmap today. Um, but in Bishop Auckland, I mean, our case rates have been pretty low for a while. And frankly, people are just ready to get back to normal. I think we're, at the, we're, at, we're at the point that has always worried me where... We're talking about this Indian variant as if it's the bubonic plague. In fact, nobody's really dying from it. Four, yesterday, four, four, four deaths from the Indian variant altogether. Uh, in Bolton, where they're talking about a, a total local lockdown, there are actually 18 uh, cases of uh, the coronavirus mm. in the hospital, the Indian variant. Uh, so the Indian variant is not a killer because of the vaccine, and yet the government is acting as if it's now got to protect us from getting a little bit ill and then recovering. Yeah. We cannot shut down the country because of a bit of flu, basically, can we? But I think this is the problem, Diana, that we've now got a kind of two-tier society, haven't we? We've got all the people... Yes, of course people have suffered. People have lost relatives, loved ones, and nobody would diminish that. But when you see, for example, yesterday, some professor at Oxford University saying, oh, I think this would be a good year not to go on foreign holiday... You know, some people work very hard. The only thing they get is a reasonably cheap package holiday for them and their families to go to Spain for a, a week or so or 10 days in the summer. And that's all they can get away from England to do. Mm -hmm. And for some, you know, quite frankly, you know, champagne socialist sort of, you know, millionaire to tell them all, oh, just stay at home. Why don't you just go and rent a mansion in Devon? Well, no, you can't do that. You know, I think it's really wrong that a lot of these scientists are trying to make out that they know better than everybody else. Well, you know, I'm a, I'm a conservative. I believe in personal responsibility. I think as long as we give people the facts and say, you know, you can go abroad, we, we're going to let you go abroad. But if there's a spike out there, you might get stuck there. You might not be able to come home. I think if we give people the facts, mm. allow them to make their own decisions. I mean, that's firmly what I believe in. And certainly I can't wait to go on holiday. Yeah. Is there any way uh, we can explain why uh, the scientists of SAGE uh, warning that if we don't start locking down and taking restrictions again, uh, by the summer there'll be a thousand deaths a day. Uh, I thought that the vaccine worked. Well, exactly. Well, so how will there be a thousand deaths Well, you know what was interesting over the weekend? There was two different narratives. There was yeah. that narrative where it said, you know, oh, we might have a thousand deaths a day. And then there was the Matt Hancock yeah. narrative which said, if you haven't been vaccinated, please get vaccinated. Yeah. And you go, well, they can't both be right. You know, either you get the vaccine and you don't get sick uh, or you get the vaccine and you still get sick. Which one is it? You know, it can't be both. Well, certainly all, all the kind of trials from the vaccine have showed it's very effective against all kind of known yeah. variants. The problem is is unknown variants, new yeah. variants that might come. So it's right that our scientists do keep, you know, doing what they do and investigating yeah. those to make sure the vaccine will be effective. But certainly at the moment, we are encouraging as many people as possible to take up the vaccine mm. as soon as it's offered to you. Yeah. Because what we're seeing from the scientific data is it does protect you. Yeah. But I mean... For example, this week in schools, masks are off, basically. You don't have to wear them anymore. So apparently last week it was dangerous and you had to wear a mask. This week it's not. It's difficult to convince people, isn't it? 
I mean, I think I think we've tried to justify it in terms of the different stages mm. of the unlock, um, obviously, which has all been based on the data and the case rates and, you know, the, the kind of four tests that the government have set out. Um, and so obviously, you know, if we're unlocking, we have to do that in step by step. But I, I see what you mean. It, it, it's, it's, it's a difficult one, Mike. But it's as if the uh, Sage and to a, an extent Boris and Matt are hanging on to this coronavirus crisis. I think Boris has for, had enough for, of it. For all, their, for all their worth. Uh, Sage, uh, when we do get out of lockdown, hopefully on June the 21st, when it's all free again, Sage will probably go into a period of grieving because they're no longer <laughs> stars of the show. You know what I mean? Yeah, they won't, it be, getting, getting, they won't be getting phoned by the BBC anymore. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> Please I come on and scare everyone. Yeah, yeah we're going to do 16 hours on the Indian <laughs> variant today. Thank you, BBC. It's getting a bit weird now. Yes, it really is. And that's the other thing, right? We're all sitting here preparing for a very big day. If you're in hospitality, I noticed, I think it was Nigel Evans put out a tweet last night about the red line down in Westminster. Lights on last night because people working frantically to get ready. And you can't underestimate how important this is to people who have not been able to make a living. I mean, I was in a restaurant last week and as we were sitting there, the guy, the owner comes out having had a phone call from Kensington Council to take down all of his outside um, uh, perspex, right? Otherwise, they were going to come shut him down. He was literally with a drill <laughs> as we were trying to eat our uh, spaghetti vongole. It was quite un- off-putting. And, uh, and we said, oh, don't worry about it. But, you know, the jobs were around as well. The people who are going to turn up. Apparently, we've got 10,000 people who have been hired by the government to go around knocking on people's doors oh. to see to make sure they're not going out after having come back from somewhere. I mean, it's not the world we want to live in. I was, I was struck by being on the tube. I'm sorry to rant about this, but I was struck on the tube. I walked a different way to come here today. And you're walking down, and it's actually beginning to sound a bit like something out of uh, the Replicant movie, you know, uh, <laughs> where they're saying, you know, please wear a face mask, please stay left, please wash your hands, you know, please don't go over there. And then the sound of, in the background again, if you see anything weird, you know, make sure you tell someone. I'm going, what sort of a world am I now living in? Yeah, I think I think there is definitely certainly on the tube. I've noticed it more yeah. than anything. You know, mind the guard, mind yeah. the closing doors. I mean, you, you know, you can understand wanting people to be safe, but at the same time, there's that t- certain bit of personal yeah. responsibility, as I was saying yeah. earlier on. And all these know. people standing around in pink jackets now, instead of high vis yellow, it's high vis pink. I presume that means something. I don't know what it means, but I, I, I was going to go up and ask them. I thought I'd probably get arrested for asking a question. I think it is time for the government uh, to uh, stress to the people of this country that this vaccine is working. Uh, because there seems to be a kind of prevarication going on, you know, that, that they don't quite say, look, the vaccine is the secret of our success. Mm. They, they, they kind of warn us it might not be. And I think that the, this government spent a hell, of a, a hell of a lot of money uh, scaring the living daylights out of the population because of the coronavirus crisis. I think they ought to spend the same amount of money now uh, recalibrating the national mindset to tell all those people quivering behind their front doors to this day, it's time to stop all that. We've got to get back to normal. Well, I think you're right. And th- there is such an appetite amongst the vast majority of society to get back to yeah. normal. Mm. And we've got, you know, one of the best vaccination programs and rollouts in the world. It's working. Yeah. You know, we've seen hospitalizations amongst like the over 50s drop dramatically. Yeah. Um, and that's only going to continue as we continue to roll this out. And there's, there's kind of less community transmission. So yeah. I think I think you're exactly right. To I be think, honest. yeah. And I think that's the mood of, of the nation. Overall. Even in Bolton, where they've mm-hmm. got it the worst. Yeah. The people of Bolton are uh, furious at the suggestion they might get a local yeah. lockdown. They have they've had a whole year because they they never really came out of lockdown at all there and they are sick to death of it and they've got to get back to normal and they want to so if the people of Bolton want that then you can rest assured the rest of the nation do too. No I think, think, exactly I think right. so. Now I have to say on April the 12th Kevin and I did the show from outside it was four degrees when we started right. <laughs> snowing. Uh, it, yeah, was, it, was it, was snowing. Bit, it was a bit of snow falling. <laughs> um, it's much nicer to sit inside. You like our setup though? we've got some darts over there we've got some uh, honey which is actually made from bees on the roof of this pub. Wow. Uh, it's quite expensive but you know uh, we've got 
got a tab going. We've got some lager shandies. I know. How many of you had to have a tab that size? Well, uh, the, well, the boss has put 5K behind well, What the I was going to say nice was la- last time, we, he ended, we, we rather foolishly got a bit carried away. We booked a place for dinner. Uh, so we spent all afternoon here, then went over to Kensington for dinner. What are you doing later uh, in terms of supplying the economy with funds? Well, uh, I am actually taking my team out for a nice brunch later, nice. which will be good. And then I'm out to a restaurant tonight good. and some drinks in between. So it's... Uh, so you'll there, be in a pretty bad work. state later there on as well. There is work then. and meetings in amongst that. But well, isn't it great, though? I have to say, it's wonderful to see people, you know, be able to mingle properly again. It's been great in the past month when we've been outside. But, I mean, this past weekend was so awful that an awful lot of publicans mm-hmm. couldn't even open. Well, the, the, when we uh, came here on April the 12th, we uh, sort of drank... Uh, Raised a, 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 a glass to to the poor pubs that couldn't <laughs> open because they didn't have gardens yes. or it wasn't going to be financially mm. viable. And we should remember today there are two thousand pubs all over the country that still can't open because even with the indoor restrictions, it's not enough for them to be able to function. They're mm. not big enough. Mm-hmm. They don't have enough tables. They don't have enough space. Two thousand pubs still can't open. Mm. So let's remember we are still in COVID restrictions. Oh, for sure, because a lot of restaurants as, as well will tell you that you know they can't maximise. Their their profits mm-hmm. yet because they can't occupy every single table and i'm not sure i want to go to the cinema yet if i have to sit you know three <laughs> the sort rows of films away they're churning out to be fair, days, i so. can't think of anything better at the cinema than sitting rows away from people <laughs> crunching popcorn but um. yeah but not watching peter rabbit though i'm not going for that i, wait for, I think i'll wait for the bond film to come out possibly yeah. well that'll be in about 2025 yeah, absolutely right. if we're lucky yeah. i know well listen Jenna, thanks for kicking us off um we've got a busy show today we've got loads of people coming here uh, to spend time with us appreciate you being the first guest in the first proper opening pub <laughs> session um, Deanna Davidson, Tory MP for Bishop Auckland, Kevin O'Sullivan is here. We've got lots to talk about, you yeah, and I, yeah. not least Martin Bashir and the whole BBC scandal that's going on, by the way. Uh, but we'll get to that later on. Ali Ross will be here. Uh, we've got lots to do. Keep uh, your messages coming in. Loads of them are coming in already. Uh, whatever you're up to, whatever you're doing, especially if you're going anywhere, if you're flying off somewhere, do let us know. This is the Home of Common Sense. Inside a pub, it's Talk Radio. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. I'm going to tell you something that uh, that you may have forgotten about. The last time you and I were in the same room, it was in the old, uh, well, I say the old Daily Express building, but the grey Lubyanka as opposed to the black one. The one that's one. now flattened. The one that's now disappeared, yeah. incredibly. Um, it wasn't up for very long. Um, and Bill Clinton was still president. You were, I think, special correspondent or columnist or something. I was in conference with you. I was, I think, at the time, foreign editor or something like that. Um, and it was that long ago. It was sometime in the sort of mid-90s. So that building sort of disappeared along with all the Daily Express readers. <laughs> well, indeed. Don't be unkind. That's <laughs> a very harsh thing to say to a man who is still in the newspaper business. Well, he's I not mean, at the Daily Express. I mean, he's in a very no. successful newspaper. The fact that you and I have both been fired out of it and have had to find <laughs> a suitable alternative employment in the radio business is a different matter altogether. But anyway, welcome. Good to see you. It's very uh, good to be here. Looking well. Um, as you say, you don't fancy a drink today. Well, I do fancy one, but I will not be told when I can start. <laughs> I, I remember quite clearly the last time I went into a pub mm. and I went up to the bar and I bought a drink, yes. which I believe is, is still impossible. Yeah. And I don't really think that uh, a thing like buying a drink at a pub is something you should listen to the government about. It's not for them no. to tell you when you can or when you can't do it. So I'll do it when I feel like it, not when they tell yes, me. Yes, no, it's interesting. I was walking today through London Bridge Station in a, on a route that I don't normally use. And the number of signs struck me uh, today for some reason. You know, don't do this, do that, walk here, don't walk there, <laughs> wear a face covering, be kind, you know, wash so your breathe hands. Breathe in. Breathe in, out. Breathe out. There's a wonderful one I, s- I saw the other day at Reading Station, which was, take care while minding the gap. <laughs> <laughs> 
It is, but we... <laughs> You'll be so busy yeah. thinking about, shall I mind this gap yeah. this way or that way that you forget to take care and you fall <laughs> and into and the gap it. anyway. And and then, uh, yeah, too busy reading the signs to see the train uh, coming and yeah. then miss it, you know. Yeah, what but did yeah. you do in the coronavirus war, Daddy? Uh, well, we followed oh. arrows in a pub. <laughs> <laughs> but that's it. Then there was a, an announcement that came over, you know, the one where they go, um, you know, report, what is it, watch, sort, oh, no, uh, see it, sort it. See it, sort it. Which doesn't make any sense at all. And I thought to myself, this is a bit like one of those science fiction films so you're walking through a public building somebody's announcing something at you and your everything you look at is a sign and everyone walking towards you is wearing a mask and i'm going when did this all actually happen well it did it actually did happen mm. we are in uh, the invasion of the body snatchers yeah. or or maybe in minority report we're in another yeah. world and we all happily walked into it well, i know most of us did. I, you didn't i didn't but right. it, it, here we are and most people are content with it. Are we going to walk out of it similarly, though, do you think? I see no reason to believe so. I think people, many people enjoy it, uh, feel comforted and, and, and are, made, are made to feel safer by it. And they will accept a lot of this going on forever. I wonder whether we will ever, for instance, get rid of the face mask. Well, this is interesting, isn't it? Because my children, uh, my teenage children, have been told this week they don't need to wear one anymore, um, despite the fact that last week they had to wear one, and so much so that last week they were tr still trying to force them to wear them on Friday. But Monday, it's fine. Well, this is extraordinary. Mind you, school children never, ever should have been made to no. wear masks in the first place, and it's extraordinary that they, that, that they got away with it. Mm. But you see it, I, the thing, is, we, we've discussed this before, walk down the street, see how many people are wearing face coverings in the open air. Yeah. They've never been told to. The advice has never been to do so. No. And yet the, the numbers probably are, are increasing. And I think this is a sign that people, uh, many people welcome this mm. and enjoy the, the, the regimentation and the absence of initiative uh, in return for a feeling of illusory yeah. but strong feeling of safety. Yeah. My favourite was... Um the, or my favourite thing are the drivers in their own cars on their own uh, with a full face yeah. mask on yeah. and there was a picture in the papers the other day of a woman down in Bournemouth swimming in the sea 50 yards out uh, on her own with a face mask on while swimming that's good <laughs> I, I was walking in some woods uh, yesterday and I sneezed and a person about 100 <laughs> yards away heard me sneeze and took a long detour around me yeah because the trouble is... Surrounded I mean, by cow pasture, Julia, you do sneeze. Yeah, Julia Hartley Brewer said this um, the other day, that the people who seem the most frightened of this are the people who seem to know the least about it, because we've all sort of become epidemiologists to some extent. Certainly if you're in the media, you've been writing about it, talking about it for a year. Um, but an awful lot of people are frightened by what they think could happen without actually knowing what will happen. Well, an American friend of my wife recently wrote to her, she's come to live in a village in Hampshire. She said, what has happened? What has happened to education? Mm. What has happened to thought? Uh, there doesn't seem to be any understanding left of the scientific method no. of how to think, nor any understanding left of the idea that people are allowed to disagree uh, politely and rationally. Yeah. It's gone completely. And uh, it's, it's, she's completely baffled coming from outside, from a part of the United States where yeah. people do still think. Yes. Uh, that this and is and where on. personal responsibility and freedom is actually still words that can be said. Well, yes, you can still, but you can still say them here. But the problem is, that as soon as you try to apply them in practice, people say, "Where's your mask?" Mm. Peter, you, yesterday uh, the Mail on Sunday had a fantastic leader, uh, which sums up what I think a lot of people are thinking right now. The government keeps saying we're going to tackle wokery, we're going to, uh, to battle it face on, we're going to get rid of it. Uh, they keep 
talking the talk, but they never walk the walk. Now you wrote uh, in your excellent column yesterday about the death of common sense. You know, we like to boast that uh, talk radio is the home of common sense, and we still tell it like it is. And yet, around the country, wokery is destroying common sense. So, uh, wha- what is going on here? Will the government finally get to grips with this pernicious problem, do you think? Well, I hope so, but I very much doubt it, because if you remember, the Conservative Party itself went through a, a, a politically correct revolution under David Cameron. It decided, uh, under huge pressure, I have to say, from the Labour Party to do so, and, and also pressure from the BBC, which pretty much let it know, if you, if you knuckle under to all this Blairism stuff, then we will once again treat you as a serious party. Until then, we'll just mock and jeer at you and treat you unfairly. Yes. That, I think, was the unspoken deal. It may have been spoken, for all I know. There were meetings, but that was the deal. And the, 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 the Tory party went woke. Uh, particularly under Theresa May, and uh, but but the whole the, the whole the whole attitude of the Tory Party towards all the sex, drugs, and rock and roll revolution which had been going on in New Labour for the previous ten or fifteen years was turned over by David Cameron, who who went to his party's conferences and more or less said to them, "I hate you," uh, yeah. and, and these are the things <laughs> I, these are the things for. I'm going to do, yeah. which are going to annoy you, tough. I'm leader now, and mm. you'll have to put up with it. And, uh, and they did, and they have. So I don't know where the Tory party is going to find the, the knowledge, understanding, or result. My problem is this. I, have, I am a former Marxist revolutionary, so I understand how Marxist revolutionaries think mm. and work, and I understand what's happened. And I, I look around, and I try to explain to people this, this huge, long march through the institutions of all the people who I was at university with in the late 60s, early 70s, uh, has now reached a point where every single institution in the country is controlled by the new thinking. And this, this instance of the private school chaplain, who's, yeah. who's, who's, who's yes. now in deep trouble mm. uh, for actually making what seems to me to be an entirely rational, tolerant sermon, is an example of this. And, and when the Mail on Sunday approached the Archbishop of Canterbury, so are you going to support this guy? The words which came back were the immortal uh, and, and lyrical words which you might expect from someone in the Church of England. No comment. Yes, yeah, of this, this would be no busy, comment. He was too busy ticking a box which said we have to get rid of all these statues yeah, yeah. up and down the church. Yeah, he's much too, much too busy getting rid of statues of people who might conceivably be involved I in mean, the slave trade. What is trade. that about? The, the, the thing is that the church has had a torrid time for the past year because it has been unable really to... Uh, issue pastoral care to its uh, various congregations it has been unable to communicate with the people, now we're coming out of lockdown it's the Church of England's big chance what does the uh, Archbishop of Canterbury say? Don't worry about your congregations take a clipboard, go out into your graveyards and have a look at your artefacts and your stained glass windows and check whether or not there are any connections with slavery, what on earth is he thinking? But this this is what you must understand, every institution that you thought was sensible which had common sense mm. in it, which had experienced people in it who understood what the world was really like. When you actually come up against them on any issue like this, on any of these clipboard issues, you find very rapidly that the person you previously thought was sensible and looks just like a normal human being talks to you as if he was in invasion of the body snatchers, yeah. as if his mind or her mind has been taken over. Yeah. And everybody knows that they have, to, they have to behave in accordance with this. If you apply for a job, you put in your pronouns yes. now. Uh, because if you don't, then people might say, well, we're not going to employ 
employ this yeah, person. Yeah, because you're obviously you transphobic. Have you have to assume it. And the idea that people have that, say, for instance, big business is conservative, or the church is conservative, or private schools are conservative, mm. or the police are conservative, or the courts are conservative, or the civil service is conservative, it's not true. Every single one of these has now been taken over by, by, by people like me. Yeah. Only the difference between them and me is I grew up and they didn't. They're still, they, 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 they don't bother with the, the old slogans of the 1960s anymore. No. They've moved on. But they are still basically revolutionaries. They and they've also, but they've also start turned, the world over again. But they've turned their back on the masses. And Dan Hodges actually wrote what, what I thought was quite an interesting column this weekend in which he said it's not that Keir Starmer and the Labour Party don't understand their voters in the North. It's that they don't want to listen to them. They don't like what they've got to say. They don't really like them at all. They don't, certainly don't like what they believe in. Well, most party leaders hate their voters, oh. uh, but they, uh, we, we, we will remember... The, the they wish they didn't have to deal with The, the Gillian Duffy episode, yes. the famous occasion when... when that Gordon, bigoted Gordon, woman. Gordon Brown talked yeah. to one of his voters. And, to, and, and, and actually, I think she voted Labour in mm. that election after, yeah. after he'd publicly insulted her. But I think she's since, uh, if, you, if you check out, she, she, she definitely voted to leave the European Union. Yeah. And I suspect that the, the, the Gillian Duffy episode had no immediate effect uh, was actually a starting point mm. when a lot of Labour voters realised that they, they were actually being led by people who despised them. Yeah. The fascinating thing is that Tory voters don't seem to have cottoned on yet, that no. their leaders despised them too. No, and in fact, I think it's <laughs> right to say that the Tories, probably uh, deep down now, uh, have become, as you say, just as woke as Labour were. Under Cameron, you couldn't tell the difference between Cameron and Blair to me. Well, that, was, the, that same, was the whole idea. The, the same idea, the Ca same Ca guy. Cameron denied it over and over again, but he did call mm. himself the heir to Blair at a, at a, at a private dinner with yeah. journalists, and he actually did do it and he meant it and uh, and uh, George Osborne referred to uh, referred to Blair as the master yeah they were completely in awe of this they, mm. they, they, they admired every aspect of it and they copied it yeah it's, un it's unbelievable because also listening and reading your column at the weekend talking about the whole Palestinian thing um, you know Kevin and I were talking about this before that an awful lot of people in this country are not very interested in Israel versus Palestine you know the lefties are you know Jeremy Corbyn was out marching with his Palestinian flag and again um, people are saying now that actually they care more the Labour Party about people in the Gaza Strip and they do about people in Hartlepool. And you made an interesting point that, that a friend of yours uh, says something similar about the Middle East. Well, the, 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 well, the problem with the Middle East is that it's a, it's a great place to exercise your conscience mm. in somebody else's country. Yeah. And the less you know about it, the easier that yes. is to do. <laughs> I've had the great good fortune to go to that part of the world right. many times, including Gaza and yeah. the West Bank. And Israel, I've talked to particularly to is the Israeli Arabs, that fascinating minority who are undoubtedly mistreated, but on the other hand, are probably much better treated uh, and get, have more rights than any other Arabs anywhere else in the in, in the region, mm. which is a bizarre paradox, if you yeah. like. And and my 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 friend um, who, who's a who's an Arab Israeli there said to me after driving me up to Ramallah through huge numbers of barricades and, and checkpoints, he said, "Oh, for the good old days before we had peace," <laughs> uh, because it's it's, true, all this intervention, yeah. all these attempts by well-meaning Western people showing off their consciences from Clearly Clinton, Tony Blair, of course. Well, Claire, Blair a bit, Clinton particularly badly, yeah. and of course the 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 Oslo attempt, uh, which was which Clinton got. Uh, got Rabin and Arafat to shake, yes. shake hands on the White House lawn, a, r a ridiculous occasion yeah. at which I was present. Right. Uh, and uh, these things did not actually improve the conditions 
of Arab men, women, and children mm. in the region. And uh, if you really care about that, then, uh, and I think people should, because the, 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 they really do need help, support. And the last thing you want is another round of political negotiations. Yeah. And, another, and another round of political leaders trying to make a name for themselves yeah. and get themselves the Nobel Peace Prize, which by now surely has been ridiculously kind of Palestinians of, of East Ju Jerusalem, who, who got sort of occupied, uh, they apparently uh, often say, well... It's not great, but uh, ever since the Israelis occupied us, we've been getting our dustbins collected all the time. So there are sort of useful bureaucratic... Uh, yes. Yeah, I don't get carried away on that. I, but <laughs> I, it, the, I, th I think that was a, bit, it was a particular bit of Jerusalem where Israeli settlers started to move in and the yeah. dustbins started moving. Mm. There is, I mean, there's no doubt, there's, there is discrimination, and, uh, and the, particularly over water yeah. uh, and over land, and Israel is not a perfect country, but then it is by no means the only perfect country But of course, in the, the background world. to all of this recently, and this is apparently one of the reasons why um, people who support Palestine are now even more upset than they were a year ago, is that they've now done a, Israel have done a deal with the UAE, uh, Saudis are quite happy to help them out because they don't like Iran very much, and it's all a very complicated picture, which can't really be explained by somebody with a loudspeaker uh, shouting free Palestine outside the Israeli embassy. No, it can't. Uh, and I, I just wish that I could communicate to more people the experiences I've had in that part of the mm. world and the complexity of it, but also very much the, 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 the enormous ability to show goodwill among the ordinary people on both sides, mm. which is blocked uh, by political leaderships who, who wish to grandstand and, and make and, and remember, in this case, the, the Palestinian uh, supposed parliament has not had an election for years. They've, they've repeatedly postponed. Yeah. And Benjamin Netanyahu, the Israeli, the Israeli Prime Minister, is unable, after election after election after election, to assemble a majority mm. in the Israeli parliament. And this may have a lot to do with, with, the, with the mess that we're in at the moment, rather what is than the, the, what is the problems root, of the people. What is the root of uh, Labour's obsession with Palestine? Today, uh, Keir Starmer on his Twitter ha uh, thread is posing in front of a Palestinian flag, uh, obviously connecting with the British voters on that issue. Uh, but what, I think he what, always has. I don't think it's just but today. why are they so obsessed? I don't think they particularly knew about this. So I mean, why, are they, why? In, why are they well, so obsessed? I, there is a, Britain has had a particular role in this. I mean, Britain was the country which effectively set up Israel by establishing a national home for the Jews mm -hmm. in 1917. And we are deeply involved in this. And so it comes into our politics all the time. The, 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 the astonishing thing is that having done that, Britain then spent most of the next 40 years trying to get out of the promise that it had made. Mm. Uh, and it's never been, it, it, it's, it's always been a, a source of deep controversy in British politics. And it's not exclusively the Labour Party uh, that has taken that side. And conservative governments have, have very often taken the Arab side in that particular quarrel. Mm. And what happens next with the Tory party though because we've been seeing stories being written I suppose all weekend and probably before that that the Tories lead is now apparently unassailable over Labour. They can't, Labour can't really get back into the into a two-party system particularly. We see Scotland basically going rogue against the Home Office uh, last week when two um, illegal migrants were stopped from being arrested by the Home Office and the Scottish government came out and said well of course we don't appreciate this hostile environment that's coming from England more or less. I mean, you know, we're in not a very good place. Well, this here. is a huge part of it. The mm. w will there be a United Kingdom 15 years from now? Yeah. Uh, will Scotland still be part of the same country? Will Northern Ireland be part of the same country? And when that happens, how long will it be before the issue of Welsh independence comes up? And th these, are, these, these things have huge implications for Westminster politics. But the other thing is, how long can the Tories, if they don't do something about overcoming the woke revolution, how long can the Tories hold on to the votes that they've got from people who are sick of Labour for being taken over by wokery? 
when they discover what the Tories are really like, are they going to say, are we going to go, go back to Labour? No, I don't think so. No. Uh, I mean, I personally think Labour are not going anywhere. I think Labour are done. I think, I think Labour Labor may well be, and their equivalent party in Germany has been, uh, replaced by the Greens. Yes. Uh, I think that may be the future, especially once Scotland is gone, because without the hope of regaining their, their seats in Scotland, I don't see how they can really hope to get a majority no. again, unless there's some utterly unpredictable cataclysm that we can't even begin to see. No, quite. Well, Peter, great to see you. Thank you very much Likewise. for stopping by. And uh, I don't know whether to ask you if you're going to be celebrating later uh, your newfound freedom or whether uh, you're just going to ignore the I fact don't that think I, honestly, I don't think I have anything to celebrate. I, don't, I still think, I, I think that my cause has, has effectively lost. I feel like someone who's, who, who was, uh, in, belonged to a party that lost an election, although it had a very good set of policies. Now those of us who were against all this hysteria and misunderstanding have to try and make sure the truth gets told so it doesn't happen again. Mm. It's a much, much more difficult task than you might think. I don't know how we're going to do it. So I'm, I really have nothing to celebrate, but it's just a very nice pub. I, it I, is. I, I, I plan to be back. We'll come back in As June. soon as I can actually walk <laughs> up to the bar and yep. pay for yep. a drink with yep. money. With you. Yeah, okay. absolutely. I see. I feel your pain. I think a lot of people do. But we're here. Uh, actually, we've got a tab running, uh, so we're not paying for the drinks at all. Uh, and somebody's paying for them, There's no uh, such thing as a free drink. No, that's yeah. absolutely right. Absolutely right. I am, of course, uh, in, in the words of, of, of George Galloway, uh, when he used to say, "You never mind bribing British uh, politicians or, uh, or newspaper men because they'll do terrible things without even being offered anything." Thank God you cannot bribe or twist the <laughs> honest it. British journalists. But seeing what the man will do unbribed was no occasion. There you go. Exactly right. He's got a much better <laughs> brain. That's the me. one. Well done, Peter Hitchens for the Mail on Sunday. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.
Welcome back to the home of Common Sense. Welcome back to Talk Radio. Welcome back to the pub because, of course, all of those three things have been conflated into one uh, as we sit here in the horseshoe. Kevin O'Sullivan is here with me all the way through till one o'clock. We're celebrating the reopening of the inside of the pubs. We started with the outside on April the 12th. We froze ourselves to death a couple of times, uh, <laughs> but we did we we did our uh, did our duty. Now I'm delighted to say we're joined by two stalwarts uh, of the show. Lee Anderson, uh, who is of course a concern, new Conservative MP, seems mad to say that because you look as if you've been doing it all year. Like, <laughs> quite frankly, uh, for Ashfield, and of course, uh, Baroness Kate Hoey. Um, I'm never quite sure if I can. I'm supposed to say Baroness Hoey, aren't I? Or Kate? Uh, you can call me anything. It's, you know, well, thank you very much indeed. <laughs> um, do you remember how they up, got upset with old Meghan Markle because she doesn't oh. seem to know how to call herself? You know, she's either Meghan, Duchess of Sussex, or N- Duchess of Netflix, as I like to call her, uh, or, or the Duchess, but she calls herself Meghan, the Duchess of Sussex, which is entirely wrong. Mm, right. Well, I mean, uh, <laughs> I don't know why she needs a title because she obviously hates the royal family. She so does. I don't know why she, she does. wants her well, title. We'll, well, we'll come back to them, uh, <laughs> come back to them later on. Uh, Lee wants to talk to us about a particular variant that uh, you want to bring up with us that you're worried about. Yeah, it's this new variant. Well, I say it's a new variant, Mark. It's been around for two or three years. It's called the Islington variant. <laughs> uh, it seems to be affecting <laughs> Labour politicians yes. uh, who spend most of the time on Twitter. Yeah or reading The Guardian, yeah. and it spread like wildfire. It does in spread the like north wildfire. And in the Midlands, but the good news is, there is a cure. Yeah. It's for, for ex-Labour MPs, it's five years in isolation. Right. Uh, for ex-Labour <laughs> councillors lost their seats two weeks ago, it's another four years in isolation. Yeah. Uh, but for the Islington one, there's no cure at all. There is no cure. Funnily enough, we've been talking about how many times he's been in isolation, because he seems to have been hiding away for a long time, but even his own party now want him to go into isolation. Kate, yeah. you were once a member of a very mm. proud Labour party, uh, which seems to have lost its way completely doesn't it well we you know we brexit was the turning real turning point although before that i think we had begun to lose our contact with real people as yeah. i used to call it but uh th- you know the, the recent elections have been um a really very very bad result and th- the sad thing is because i'm no longer in the living party but the sad thing is that they don't seem to be learning anything no I mean, yes, of course, they're going to have all these policy decisions and look at things and reflect and decide what made it, what made people not vote for them. But, you know, if, for most people, it's very simple. You could decide overnight what went wrong and what went wrong was they had completely lost their touch. That Islington factor is a sort of London metropolitan factor. And they weren't interested really in the issues that the average person going out to work every morning is interested in. No. They, they, these um, Labour leaders, they always have this m- moment uh, where they have near-life experiences where they actually accidentally clash with a member of the public. So we had Gordon Brown on the uh, mm. lead-up to that election clashing with that lady that she, he dismissed as Gillian, a racist. Yeah. And yeah, then we had Keir Starmer in the recent campaign going down to Bath, going to down to that pub and clashing with the Labour voting landlord. And they, that they always seem completely bemused by members of the public. They have no point of contact with them. What is it about Labour leaders and indeed Labour politicians? Well, I'll tell you what it is, Kevin. They're, they're, they're out of touch with Labour mm. voters. And I've always said this, the, mm. the, the, the Labour leadership, the Labour MPs, the Labour activists, the Labour membership, have nothing in common with your average Labour voter. You know, I, I see they're doing a bit of a, re- a review at the moment to yeah. see why people's mm. left them. You Come know. on, you should have yeah. done that, you know, well, three or four years be, ago. They also, they do that before the election, yeah. so you find yeah. out. But but by the way, there's a, there's a new, there's a new uh, term for the average Labour voter, Tory voter. Well, <laughs> in, in my <laughs> area, they call them stupid. <laughs> they call them stupid in my area, and that's, why, that's one of the many reasons they're really going to struggle to get these voters back. Yeah. You see, for years, there was a loyalty amongst Labour voters that they didn't really question anything and they just simply voted Labour. Mm. And 
then that once that changed because those and then those people were very different from the people running the Labour Party both locally and nationally and the kind of councillors that got elected and you know now once people have made that switch it's sometimes well I think it's very very difficult for them to come back unless there is a you know a total change yeah. in, in the Labour Party. And well, I, I was saying to Peter Hitchens, Dan Hodges' uh, column this week, I don't know if you've read it, where he talks mm. about how it's not that they don't understand the voters in the north of England anymore, it's the fact that they don't want to listen to what they no, have to they say because they to don't hear. like what they're saying because no. they don't agree with them because they don't talk about trans rights every five minutes. They don't talk about, you know, whether or not we should rejoin the European Union. They don't talk about, you know, whether or not you should announce ladies and gentlemen on a train mm. uh, and whether somebody <laughs> should be arrested for that. You know, they're interested in having a job. And also, they, I think the Labour Party also think that everyone in the north of England has somehow got a cloth cap and a whip it. Yeah. It's almost like they have and no si- clue and, 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 no mu- and they've got no money. <laughs> and so we must give them all money. Well, I mean, Hartlepool yeah. is actually quite a respectably um, well-to-do constituency, isn't it? Well, look at Hartlepool. It's a great example, Mike. You know, you know, you've got um, a 70% leave area, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, traditional um, Labour heartlands. What did the Labour Party go and do? Yep. They picked the worst possible candidate yeah. you possibly could for that seat and stuck him there yeah. and basically stuck two fingers up to the to the electorate. And they thought mm. because he was a doctor that somebody would go, oh, he's in the NHS, mm. we better vote for him then because they're all heroes, yeah, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, the other thing, I've said it before, but because the Conservatives got people like Lee and others in those so-called red wall seats, yeah. They're not the same kind of conservative, if, if you don't mind That's me right. saying so, yep. than, than what people had thought conservatives were. And because they're coming from the backgrounds and from no understand and are in touch, they're much more likely to keep the pressure up on Boris on all this stuff about equaling up and getting... Isn't that I right? think you nailed it there, mm-hmm. uh, Baroness. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you look at areas like mine... So I told you he was a Tory. I'm going to my cap. Uh, in areas like, like Ashfield and Mansfield and Bowser and Don Valley and Roller Valley and all these places, they've all, they've all got new MPs with a local accent, come from, come from um, yep. a completely different background yes. to the Tory MPs in the south of the country. Nothing wrong with that at all. And actually, we're connecting with the public for the first time in donkey's years. And our public love that. Yes, I think yeah. that's right. Because, I mean, if everybody remembers back to the days of Margaret Thatcher, I mean, her winning sort of formula was not about getting people who were posh Tories mm. to vote for her. It was getting ordinary people, men and women, who had ordinary jobs, but who were aspirational, yeah. who wanted to have a nice car, wanted to be able to buy a house, wanted to be able to have a decent life for their families and that's what you guys represent isn't it well it's true yeah and it's funny that the, the aspirational socialists if you like mike uh, uh, normally the, the labor mps the bourgeoisie you know the metropolitan elite right. it's all right for, the, for them to have nice things go to private school have private education yeah, yeah. all this sort of thing but for us the voting fodder in the north and in the midlands you just do as you're told you know you can stay in poverty for as long as you want but keep voting labor is mm. there a danger though that the tories lose the vote that they have up there if it's not kind of something that they pay attention to if you like the working class voters in areas like ashfield are incredibly loyal and they've shown that to the labor party for the last 50 or 60 years if we listen to them and we deliver on our promises we made during the election. We've got Brexit done. We're, we're getting COVID done. If we invest in, in the infrastructure projects that we've promised over the next four or five years, then they will be loyal to us. That's all we've got to do, Mark, is deliver. If mm. you deliver the basics, which uh, I would say, uh, if people are, uh, are promised that, that they can keep a roof over their heads, they can put food on their kids' table, have a car in the drive, go to Spain on holiday once a year, they'll vote for you. Uh, and the Labour don't seem to understand that. 
They, mm. No, they don't understand that. And you're absolutely right. Typical working class labour, ex-labour voters are just working class people who do difficult, um, hard jobs. That all they want to do is put put a meal on the table, keep a roof up, the, like you say, Kevin. Yeah. Maybe go to Skegness it, it, for once a year in a caravan. They'll have to. This yeah. Year. Yeah. They're not some <laughs> rabid left-wing yeah, yeah. lunatic no, but it's also government's done. Right. Isn't it also about loving your country and yes, patriotism absolutely. as well? Because, you know... They, that that is and even still you know even in the last few weeks we've seen examples of labor people just you feeling all the time that they just want to i mean i understand you want to oppose things in, in that the government's doing but it's not even that it's just general feeling that they don't believe in the united kingdom yeah. that they don't actually well, want you know, it to I think be it successful was a, ma- it was a masterstroke of boris johnson to send two gunboats to jersey on election day i mean you can't imagine <laughs> Theresa may doing that can you just but fancy I, that but it was just fantastic <laughs> just happened to be but also yeah. but wasn't it interesting though how many people from say the remain side or the labor side oh, there were, t- were sort of squeamish about it oh, like you know this is how you start a war you know why are we taking on the yeah. French? Well, because the French threatened to stop electricity being yeah. supplied to a sovereign part of Britain. That's why. Yeah. And so, you know, of course, they side with the French and the EU. And you're kind of going, why would you do that? Yeah, and I think that's why they're going to have to be tougher too. And I know there's some legislation coming through, which I haven't looked at in detail, about people coming across in boats yes. from France. Because, it, you know, when, you, when we're stopping people going on holiday and coming in and all of that, and then you see literally every day now people coming, still well, coming Well, there's 3,000 so yes. far, according to Nigel Farage, who's always been top of this story and Pretty Patel I'm afraid talks a good game but she's not doing anything really about it because she can't there's nothing that we apparently can do to stop it well apparently we have to get France's agreement to send to send them back but I mean I think I think what happens is and it it does sound really callous but they come here and then um, you know they're treated extremely well understandably perhaps but you know there's no and that gets back that well, look, if you, it's very, very hard wherever you are, but if you make it to England, you know, life's, life's going to be great. Well, this you? is the other thing about the left is, is uh, they tell us all the time it's institutionally racist here, it's horrible. But you see, that's people. not, I, yeah. But why do people want to come here then from all sorts of yeah. countries, including France, including Belgium, including Spain, Italy, Greece? They can stay in all of those places, but mm. they don't want to because Britain's more welcoming. Well, yeah. the last time I looked, Mark, there's no war in France, it's no. not war torn, they're, they're not, people aren't being persecuted uh, like they are you know, in some countries. It's an incredibly dangerous journey coming across the Channel. It Why is. are these people yeah. coming over the it Channel? It would have been yesterday. I was, down, I was down on the coast yesterday. It was yeah. very rough. They, they, they think the, the streets are paved with gold. Mm. Um, there's a lot being taken advantage of by people, traffickers. Yeah. And you know my view on this situation. Um, I've been as vocal as any MP. And you've in been Parliament. in touch with Priti Patel, and you've been part of a group of, of MPs yeah. trying to make sense yeah. of it all. And the Common Sense Group, you know, it's about 50 Tory MPs, a few Lords thrown in there for good measure as mm. well. And we've really been putting pressure on. The good news is, you know, we've got new legislation coming. In, in this in this session, right? Hopefully. There's a problem. You're talking about that. the sovereign borders mm. bill. There's a problem with that. Uh, I mean, it sounds good. Uh, that, you know, Pretty wants to be able to send back uh, asylum seekers if they're illegal or if their applications are not valid. Uh, that's good. But the trouble is, it requires the cooperation of the nations of the EU. All 27 nations have refused to cooperate. Yeah. So it's going nowhere. Isn't well, it? I don't know. I mean, there was. Um, <laughs> People were saying a few months back that we're looking at getting an island to send the uh, the, the, the illegal travellers onto. You know, I'd back that straight away. 
you know, stop that draw. That, that, that but what w- island? Well, <laughs> the, the Ascension Islands. Let's try, let's try that. That's, right. that's far away. <laughs> well, <laughs> they, they won't be getting on a dinghy from there, will yeah. they? I mean, people laugh at that, but that's what Australia did, didn't yeah. they? I yeah. mean, they, they just... Yeah. But this is it. it. And again, you know, there are people... I mean, Peter Hitchens was saying this. The trouble is with the Tory party, part of, part of the Tory party is a little bit on the woke side and they're terrified of being accused of doing anything, you know, mm. nasty because they don't want to be the nasty party. And yeah. I think sometimes they just have to be a bit more firm. I think it's a question of efficiency. What, what Australia did yes geographically they had this handy island they could put them all in but the main thing they did is they said we are going to process your applications for asylum in three weeks and then three weeks and the fact that you tried to get into this country illegally immediately renders your application invalid so what we have to do i would suggest lee i don't know what you think is um and baroness who of course uh is uh, get the same system going process these people in three weeks. Why does it have to yeah. take two years? Oh, how about ten years? Well, well, the situation in Glasgow I mean, the Home the Office is still a, a, a yeah. real mess and every party and every Home Secretary comes in and says they're going to sort it and it doesn't happen. It's it, no, it never happens, but there, there's a real will now. We've seen with the new Redwall MPs. Uh, this, yeah. this doesn't sit well in areas like Ashfield mm. and all these northern seats exactly. we've got. And, and, and we're getting pressure. I mean, I'm a landlocked constituency and I'm getting loads of pressure, more pressure than some of these southern seats. Yeah. Um, and we've got the Common Sense Group now. We're meeting with the Home Secretary and the immig- Immigration Department all the time, putting pressure on. So we're making some real noises. Good. Um, and they're going to listen to us. If, yeah. if, if they don't listen to us, then we're going to struggle. You know, mm. at the ballot box. I think, that's right. I think that's And the right. other very good thing in the, one of the best things in the speech was something I've pushed for ages was to get, probably some of you won't agree with it, ID ca- for voting. Yeah, yeah I mean, um, I don't understand why. Not ID why, cards, I don't, but ID I don't understand why people are so against showing ID. And it's like this nonsense where people go, oh, there's millions of people that don't have any ID. But really? Well, I don't know anyone. Yeah, but, but anyway, in, in Northern Ireland where it is taken for granted now, if you haven't got a passport or a driving licence or something, you go to your local authority and they give you a card with your photograph on it and that's it. Right. Well, in order to be able to vote. Yeah. yeah. Well, so if they're doing it in Northern Ireland, why can't well, we well, do it? Well, exactly. And also it was the Labour government brought it in yeah. in Northern <laughs> Ireland. So, you know, and then, you know, there was this thing that was in the paper the other day about, I think, t- t- to, be a mem- to get into a, a, an annual meeting of one of the Labour Party yeah. local branches, you had to show... A photograph. That's ID. right. Yeah, Momentum had a meeting to discuss <laughs> voter ID. Flag, yeah. Voter <laughs> ID, but you had to have a, a, an ID card yeah. to get into the meeting. Or if you go to a Labour Party conference, yeah. you've got to have a photo yeah. ID. It's yeah. absolute nonsense. It I, really don't, I don't know what they're scared of, to be honest with no. you. No, I don't. Finally, um, Baroness Hurry, tell us about what's going on in Northern Ireland. Um, I was glad to hear John Redwood talking at the weekend, uh, saying basically blaming the EU mm. for the problems that they're having. Yeah. Because it's about shipments of stuff coming into Northern Ireland which isn't going anywhere else well, so why would they be worried about it going into the Republic well Northern Ireland now has got more EU checks on goods than the total checks on the whole of the rest of the EU it's just ludicrous mm. what's happening um, and it's it's um, you know still affecting things like take if you want to go on holiday night in Northern Ireland take your dog you have to do all that bureaucracy get a rabies injection that hasn't been in rabies in the United Kingdom and Republic of Ireland. What, if you're but going from Northern years. Ireland to, yep. say, Stranra, yep. yep. needs a rabies yep. injection? Yes, and, uh, and both, you know, uh, both ways, you know, you're going to have yep. to do that. Uh, there's all sorts of little things. But the, the David Frost, without doubt, has picked up. He, he visited Northern Ireland last week and he met lots of people, and I think he's picked up the anger. Every single evening now, somewhere in Northern Ireland, there's small protest demonstrations with bands, mainly. Um, you know, good... good uh, the, the, uh, no violence, mm. so they don't get coverage. <laughs> and um, that is happening. And um, I think the pressure is on now because they know that 
um, the pro-union community is really fed up and angry. And of course, we're coming into the what's called the marching season. Yes. And that is not going to, um, you know, that's going to give people an opportunity to protest even more. And ultimately, for me, it's not, even if there wasn't a single check, it's for me the constitutional position, which we had our first day in court on Friday in the High Court in Belfast. Mm -hmm. went very, very well. We'll probably end up in the Supreme Court. But um, constitutionally, uh, Northern Ireland, the Belfast Agreement has been definitely broken because of the north, this east-west stuff, which is and no consent, and also the Act of Union. So, you know, the government's got itself into a mess on this. Um, understandably, they wanted to get Brexit done. Northern Ireland's been left behind. It's not sustainable, and I'm very pleased to see more and more people are mm. saying that. Good. Finally, Lee, uh, the next stage after this for me is getting people back into the buildings that are supposed to be occupied by office workers. Um, when do you think we're going to start seeing that kind of movement? Well, about the same time as the MPs go back into well, the House well, of Commons. Well, this is yeah? the thing. I mean, I, I've been in this morning, send actually. Send a signal. Um, you know. It's ridiculous, yeah. For the first time in about six or seven months, I actually saw cutlery. Um, steel cutlery being used at the breakfast table. You know, it's been uh, uh, more chairs there. Tiny more steps. chairs, more chairs in the We need to get more MPs back in the chamber. It's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. You know, we, it sends a bad message, doesn't it? It was terrible. You know, you look at those green benches, they're half empty, and we're, we're all huddled outside trying to get in there, waiting our turn to come in. We've got to send a clear message out to the British public that is, it, we yeah. need to get back to work so you can get back yeah. to work. Yeah. I'm afraid in the Lords there's a lot of people who'd quite like to keep zooming because mm. they can do it from the comfort of their deck chair. Yes. In, in the United Kingdom. Kingdom, yes, of, course. of course. I'm not suggesting they're in that the Bahamas would be, yes, or anything. That would be wrong, yeah. That would be entirely wrong to suggest that. Couldn't be happening at all. Absolutely ridiculous. Listen, great to see both of you. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Lee Anderson, Baroness Kate Hurry. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. On Talk Radio. The Drop Zone on Talk Radio with bonus drop from William Hill Vegas. Play for free. Your chance to win instant free spins, bonuses, and up to £1,000 a day in cash. Visit williamhill.com, 18plusbgamblerware.org. Time for the drop zone with William Hill. I often said that I'm the greatest debater of all time, so the production team have come up with the three unlikely arguments that I would never make. I'm going to drop the coin to see which of these arguments I'll have to make. Today's topics include how one in five men think they could beat a chimpanzee and why I think I could beat one too. How about this one? What? How experts say feel-good films like Love Actually and Pretty Woman make us happy and how we should watch one every day. And finally, how Sausage is the least liked pet name and how we should forget Love or Darling and use Sausage as a term of endearment. Goodness gracious me. Uh, let's see where we land to see which argument I'll have to make. Fortunately, it's not uh, the sausage one, or indeed the chimpanzee one. So I'm sorry to disappoint anyone who thought I was going to make that. I'm going to make the argument that actually watching feel-good movies is good for you. Because Love Actually uh, is not a movie that I like very much, but when I do watch it, I always feel very warm and fuzzy afterwards. <laughs> it's such a nice film to watch. Pretty Woman, even though it's about you know something rather sordid, makes you feel all warm and fuzzy inside, doesn't it? Um, you know, before he hands over the cheque. But in the end, you know, it's not very nice to watch movies which have bad endings, which are woke, uh, which are too nasty and horrible and full of violence, when you could watch a lovely, beautiful love story to lift your spirits uh, in these difficult times. 
That was today's The Drop Zone with William Hill Vegas. Play for your free daily chance to win instant free spins, bonuses, and up to £1,000 a day in cash. Visit williamhill.com, 18plusbegambleaware.org. The Drop Zone on Talk Radio with bonus drop from William Hill Vegas. Get all the excitement of Vegas. Visit williamhill.com, 18plusbegambleaware.org. Now, some might say we've saved the best for last, uh, but I wouldn't be Others one of wouldn't. them. wouldn't. I wouldn't be one of them. <laughs> Certainly, Kevin won't be one of them. Dawn Neeson, um, your nemesis uh, and uh, frequent uh, uh, punch, punch, yeah, I've really punch enjoyed, bag. I've really enjoyed Plank of the Week since Dawn and I haven't had to do it together. <laughs> Well, don't worry, there will come a time oh, when no. you're together. <laughs> Ali Ross is also here from The Sun. Welcome, Ali. You were here on April the 12th. We felt only right that you should come yeah. back now that we can sit inside and not actually freeze to death. So Just assumed uh, you were here every day of the week anyway. Well, you know, yeah, they you're are not wrong. actually you're not far wrong, off. Yeah. That's all the updates I ever <laughs> get. We're in the horseshoe point. <laughs> <clink. laughs> We don't always do shows from here, but we probably yeah, are yeah, here, yeah, here more well, than we're enough. more than we're not here. Anyway, very nice to see both of you. Um, are you planning on uh, pushing the boat out for the rest of the day, and are you going to be booking a place to go for dinner later? What are you doing? No, that sounds a dreadful idea. Does it? It probably isn't going to be People. a great night to go out. <laughs> Are you, you're not going to be one of those sort of, you know, middle-class types that goes, oh, I don't like people very much. No, I went to the pub on Friday, and it's now two days from hangover at minimum, so I'm yeah. still... He's still suffering. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can understand that. Dawn, of course, is a woman who looks after herself very well. She goes cycling quite a lot. Well, actually, yeah, I started my day because it's not just pubs and restaurants that are open today. The group exercises in gyms are open. And as much as They've opened up the saunas, haven't they? That is good news. Evidently, no. And seriously, (laughs) it is very, very good. So I was was down in... But what can you do today that you couldn't do yesterday? For Cycle London, it's a spin class. It's a group spin class. So you're in a darkened room, on a bike, loud music. Absolutely brilliant. Sounds awful. So good. So good. So good to be back. Really happy to be back. (laughs) And yeah, I have a very hot date tonight. I'm actually broadcasting live from a restaurant with Mr. Mark Dolan later on on Talk Radio. Very nice. Excellent. Which restaurant is it so we can avoid it? (laughs) (laughs) Which greasy spoon? Are you going to? It's, it's, it's the lovely um, seafood restaurant Smiths of Wapping. Oh, very nice. Right on the That's one of your locals. It How is you one of my to locals. That one? So you don't have to yeah. walk very far. You know, exactly. Stagger very far, Mike. Mm. Um, and obviously, doing my utmost to support the hospitality industry. Absolutely. Which is so important. It we really must is. all do it. And I'm sure, Ali, when you recover mm. from the hangover, you'll do the same, won't you? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. No, I, I have missed it. Mm. The whole vibe. I think so. Well, sitting here is just nice, isn't it? I mean, you know, it's not that it wasn't nice outside in the sun, but this weekend, I mean, it didn't stop raining. Every time I went yeah. out, took the dog out, started raining. You know, went back in, went out again to do something else, started raining. It was just been horrible weather. It's just been really well, cold I, I remember and nasty. Our, our uh, April the 12th uh, show, Ali very kindly came down, and we were standing in the garden having a drink, you know, a glass of wine, chatting after, after the show. <laughs> and I remember I was like shivering like mm. a kid. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it really. Yeah. It's, it's fun for about freezing. 12 yeah. minutes. Yeah. yeah. And then... Oh, no. yeah. So this is a good no. day. We're back inside. Yeah. No, it's yeah. it, and the irony is it's actually quite nice out at the moment. We've got blue skies and sunshine, so yeah. it is quite nice. But it is just so important, not obviously for the industry itself, but for people's mental health. I mean, the pub is about more than drinking. It really it is. It's about seeing your friends, being with your loved ones, having a good time, which is so important for and us. And how many people have you hugged today? Because obviously you can now hug people if you wish. Well, following the government guidelines, My usual. which are <laughs> zero. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You are very Scottish, yeah. though. about those of us who don't ever want to hug anyone <laughs> ever. But this is the madness, isn't it? I mean, the, the fact that our government is issuing guidelines yeah, know, on madness. how to hug people sideways. Yeah. It's 
it is like it is insane. Sideways. I mean, how did we get to be fair? To this I think situation? Boris Johnson needs guidance on how not to hug people. Well, he? quite. Yes, you know, indeed. Look how that all works out all the time. Yeah. I'm liking this idea of going to the pub for the benefit of your mental health. Though. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Listen, you can sell anybody on Guilty the mental health not, thing. It'll be so yeah. good for I've you. I've had six <laughs> pints. I've got no more problems. <laughs> Just wafted Listen, away. Can, can we get both of your uh, thoughts on what I think is a major story? The BBC is unraveling over this Martin Bashir mm. situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, we won't be able to watch Panorama tonight, where Panorama was investigating itself. I'm really disappointed ab- about yeah. Bashir's uh, shenanigans way back when uh, the 25 year ago interview with. Uh, Princess Diana, uh, Lord Dyson's report comes out later in the week, uh, which is an independent review of the situation, far more independent, it seems, than the BBC wanted. Uh, they are reeling. They are. This is an omni-shambles, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, well, I've come into the middle like a good TV reporter in the middle of this story. <laughs> well, <laughs> Not having a clue what's gone on, but something has gone on. Yeah. Well, well I mean, Bashir appears to have forged several documents in order to convince yeah. Princess yes, Diana to do yes. an interview, which ten, which turned out to be a pretty pivotal moment in the history, in modern history of the royal family. Mm. And imagine, I was saying to Kevin earlier, imagine if this had been done by a tabloid newspaper, yeah. where you'd gone, look what they've done. They've made up documents. Oh, yeah. They've actually yeah. forged things, which is technically, actually not technically, is illegal, it's right? I- yeah. Mm. And that's exactly the point I was making earlier on. I, you know, we had, you know, as, as journalists, we had the whole Leveson inquiry, when, when, you know, most people had done absolutely nothing wrong. We were on trial for doing our jobs. And the BBC forged documents. Mm. I mean, blatant criminal offences they yeah. were doing. And, and you know, and the, and fact the BBC that were the most vengeful about that. Yes, exactly. Yes. The way they Everyone. covered the Leveson. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the fact that Martin has now left the BBC through health reasons. A month yeah, ago. Yeah, uh, the timing. But well, hmm. what, a month ago, apparently. Well, why didn't they tell us? Well, This quite. is quite a, a, an important story. You know, yeah. why are they being so secretive about this? Why isn't Panorama on tonight? Uh, and uh, why are the BBC quaking in their boots about Dyson's report? Because it's going to make them look very, very bad. It's the worst scandal they've had since Jimmy mm. Savile. But Possibly worse. But Kevin, what will happen? Absolutely nothing will happen. Exce- I mean, except it will put their uh, license fee future on the rack, to say the least. Well, you'll, as you'll you get a whole do. new l- layer of bureaucracy out of it. Yes, this. yeah, yeah. Which, uh, which is I mean, is the BBC capable of doing anything right, do you think, Ali? Apparently not. <laughs> I'll answer that one for you. Cool, that's a Whoa. tricky one. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you could ask the question a different way. What was the last thing they got right? Uh, um, uh, how about uh, the pursuit of love? People seem to be <laughs> liking that. I, I must say that's how, how very middle market of them. Well, yeah. listen, yes. Why it's don't we uh, cook up another story? It's posh nincompoops. It's isn't posh, it? Well, it's posh sex. It's an excuse sex? for people to have lots yeah. of yeah. romping about. Posh, posh people in 30s clothes at lovely English country houses. Mm. A, bit of fa- a bit of fascism thrown in yeah, as well. It's a bit what racist. a clever parody, parody of it's Jacob Rees Mogg that was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, a ra- it's racist. He's very pleased with himself. Yeah, well, I mean, the trouble is, is this, is this is what they do. They spend an awful lot of money, which they're given by the good people of this country, on, on an awful lot of drama, um, which then they declare to be a success because all the people who paid for it started watching it in quite small numbers. In small well, numbers, quite. Yeah. You know, it's an interesting model, isn't it? I mean, if, you predict, if you came up to some media organisation and said, here's the model for the way we should run this media organisation, people would go, sorry? A couple of very obvious things wrong with it is one, Dominic West had an affair with the girl who plays his daughter. Yes. (laughs) Two, hashtag orcs. Two, and this is a killer for any (laughs) British audience, one of the characters is called Fanny. Yeah. Mm. No getting around that. It's a lovely name. I like that name. Why did it die out, Fanny? It's a great name. Uh, Yeah. Well, I can't imagine why it would have died out. (laughs) 
Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Home of Common Sense. We are in the pub, as you would expect us to be, because today's the day that the pubs are opening up, so you can go inside, have some lunch, uh, have a couple of drinks, enjoy yourself, meet somebody you haven't seen for a while, maybe even give them a hug, if you fancy it. Uh, it's entirely up to you, and of course them, because uh, consent's very important, is it not, Kevin? It's very, very important, and follow the government guidance when it comes to hugging. Don't break the rules on that one. Uh, Do Susanna, it sideways. Susanna Reid, uh, Kevin reliably informs me, apparently <laughs> said today uh, that you're allowed to hug people, but personally for her today... She's not going to. No, she said, Ali I'm, Ross I'm is here. Dawn Neeson is here. Why? I mean, what is wrong with these people? Why? Can, can I just say, in Susanna's defence, she never hugs people. She never yeah. has done. She doesn't like hugging. But why does she so, not just say that? Well, I, I don't know. I wasn't there. But, I mean, I was listening to you too, obviously. Brilliant, yes, uh, by the way. But, no, um, she doesn't like hugging. And lots of people don't like hugging. The good thing about Susanna Reid, though, what is a lot, of, a lot of people don't like hugging. Well, I don't. Don't you? I hate hugging. Well, yeah. that's because exactly. nobody's ever hugged you. I'm not, yeah, I know. I'm not a tactile person. <laughs> That's not. It's, it's so not like Kevin to be that grumpy, is it? I mean, yeah, I mean we're talking about hugging well, you can for hug God's people sake. Again, I'm thanks. sitting here with sort of three misanthropes: yeah. the bloke who doesn't drink, the woman mm. who defends Susanna Reid, and the bloke who doesn't like hugging. <laughs> but you know, how uh, did this end up happening? We're in a pub, for heaven's sake! Let's enjoy yourself. To, to be fair to Susanna Reid, a lot of people thought that uh, GMB would suffer when Piers Morgan <laughs> left, but she's managed to keep the ship sailing, hasn't she? Yeah. Also, a genius idea to get <laughs> Alice. To, <laughs> genius idea to get Alice Campbell as the co-host. Yeah. Who managed to kill off the Queen. Yeah, huggably appalling. I really? Yeah. He, he, that's a guy who spent three decades advising people how to behave on television. Yes. Right. On you go. Yep. And <laughs> you, you'll get this reference. It was like watching Jack Douglas. Yeah. The old ca- yeah. Yeah. He just keep going off was, on one. Yeah. And he kept looking Fiddling the wrong in way. his pockets. Yeah. And, uh, well, like Ali said that he, he looked like a, a shoplifter who had just seen the police walk in. <laughs> <laughs> and then they thought, you know, this is going so badly. Here's how to improve things. We'll get Tony Blair on. <laughs> so, uh, Alistair, do you remember him? The most unpopular Prime Minister in the history of Prime Ministers. And so you've got Alistair Campbell, Tony Blair, Susanna Reid. I mean, I'm sorry. I guarantee nobody watched that. Oh, but they gave her a hard, him a hard time. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. Put him on the rack. He barely recovered. Him. Iraq? <laughs> quivering wreck by the time. Yeah. But so, but, uh, Campbell kept sort of... Sort of uh, so... Susanna Reid would say, uh, you know, think about Boris. He'd, he'd go, don't call him Boris, call him Johnson. Yeah. You know, he, he, he was just such angry, this mad yeah. Labour loony yes, yeah. shouting politics. Yeah. I don't think you're allowed to call him that because hmm? it was Mental Health Awareness Week. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yes, sorry, absolutely. Sorry, you know. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, in terms of his affiliation <laughs> yes, to the Labour. Of course. In, okay. the very next breath, he re- in the very next breath, he then referred to Margaret Thatcher as Maggie. Rather than Mrs. Thatcher. Oh, yeah, yeah. So Keir Starmer, Keir, Tony, Gordon. Yeah. Johnson. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't call him Boris. It's not like he's got any kind of problem with that. But, but, I mean, it's a very odd thing that they're doing at GMB, uh, broadly, isn't it? Because uh, Kevin tells me they've lost 79, 80% of their market, their audience, since Piers left. They haven't found a way of replacing him. It's obviously not going to be the weatherman. What are they going to do? <laughs> what are they going to do? It's pretty dire. 
he's irreplaceable. Mm. That is it. And yeah. I don't like to admit that mm. because we, I've had my run-ins with him in the past. Yes. But he d- he's the first person that's ever taken breakfast television and turned it into something different. That you actually something want to watch. watchable. Yeah. It, it, you had to watch it. It was yeah. compulsive it was viewing. You yeah. never knew where he was going to take mm. it. The rest yeah. of the time, I tuned in this morning and Adil Ray was there and it was worthy. How disappointing. Worthy as hell. Yeah. So who would be the best person then, Ali? Definitely well, Alex Beresford, the woke weatherman. I would definitely s- him. For, this, for the same reasons that Piers did, I would stick Richard Madeley in just because you don't know what the yes. hell he's going to mm. say. Right. Well, he's coming in uh, through the summer. I bet he gets the gig permanently. Yeah, they I think he's do. good. I mean, because he's that off the wall. You don't know where he's going. You don't know what he's going to say. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. He's also rather good at it, actually, yeah. I think. Yeah, you know? that's no, the thing about it. He is a great broadcaster. Mm. He disguises it pretty well at times. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but you see, it's quite <laughs> difficult to look as if you don't know what you're doing when you actually do yeah. know what you're doing. I think that's actually harder to do than pretending you that know what you're doing. I rest my case. I rest my case over master here. At it, you know. But it's true. You know, I mean, my, if it was me, I'd just shut it down. I wouldn't bother. I'd just go, you know what? You're going to have to invent something else to put in here. I would move Holly and, um, what's his face, down. Uh, put them in Phil. to breakfast. Mm-hmm. Holly and Phil, there you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually, talking about really p- programs that you might not <laughs> want to watch, uh, the worst ever edition of Piers Morgan's Life Story Coming up, oh. it's going to be Keir Starmer. Keir Starmer. Yeah. Oh, gosh. They should have Keir Starmer in one chair and a yeah. plank of wood in another chair yeah. and see which one's more interesting. The yeah, plank so will be more interesting. So, so Keir, Gordon have you Brown got a life story? No. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Gordon Brown did when he could go no lower. So what the hell am I going to do? Hello, Piers. <laughs> <laughs> you know well, your life's over. Can you save over. this project? You know no. your life's over when you're on life but, you know, stories. But seriously, though, it does look as though... So Piers' relationship with ICV is obviously still a good one. Well, he never lost that job. Right. I mean, no. There was one aspect of his contract was GMB. Right. Uh, he's still going to make those uh, women who kill documentaries. Yeah. and he's still going to carry on But that's not an ICV thing, thing, is it? Is yeah. Yeah. Does yeah. he yeah. not yeah. do yeah. that yeah. with yeah. Netflix no, or something? No, no, no. no it's ITV. Okay. But uh, I think that uh, Life Stories, the last series, it kind of looked like it was running out of decent celebrities, didn't it? I mean, Chris Eubank, no thanks. Gemma Collins. I thought Gemma, Collins. Gemma Collins was a bit of a the shocker. The first series as well. Yeah. Burt Reynolds was good. Burt Reynolds were, was There were great. good moments. Yeah. Uh, Do you know, I Harris once doorstepped Burt Reynolds from a boat. Yeah, uh, in Florida. Yeah, it was one of the greatest you jobs I ever had. Him. Well, he lived in this place called Jupiter, Florida, right? Yeah. But the the road up to his house was so long that you couldn't sit outside it because there was a major road going past. You couldn't stop there. So we figured the only way we could actually look into where he was was from the intracoastal, which is the kind of yeah. canal yeah. between yeah. you know the road and the sea. Yes. So we hired this guy with a boat and we sat outside. Um, his, the back of his house. A few which, drinks. Yeah, a bit of, uh, bit of, bit of <laughs> fishing. But, but we were there. We were there for I think a, I've got a marlin. We were there for a week, right? We were there for a, a week. week and yeah. And he had his, his boat, the lady gambler was there. He wasn't even there. We never saw him. <laughs> the uh, best doorstep. Yeah, but he'd been missing for about six months. People thought that he was ill. People thought he might be dead. Um, we, we weren't able to enlighten them. All we kept saying was, no, we haven't seen him yet. And send more money. <laughs> <laughs> I had to do that with Roger Moore once. Really? So he finally turned up after about a week and said, yeah. who the hell are you? <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. And I went, oh, Mr. Bond, I've been expecting you. <laughs> and you know what? He said, F off. Yeah. <laughs> I've had a lot of those, yeah. funnily enough. <laughs> <laughs> People wonder why we're so impervious to insults. We've had them in person. Anyway, guys, listen, thank you very much. We've come to the end of another pub show. Yeah, amazing. Which amazing. doesn't mean we have to leave, by the way. Uh, yeah, I'm not going now to. Now the serious drinking can begin. <laughs> Dawn Neeson, thank you very much indeed. You. You'll be back to this afternoon, this evening. Then, yes, with, this evening uh, with Mark Dolan. Yep. Ali column now on Fridays. Yep. Uh, so you've got until then to recover from the old... Uh, 
you know, hangover. I can do it. I think you can. You have my full confidence. Kevin, thank you very much indeed. Well, it's been a pleasure, uh, Mike. Thank you to everyone for watching. Talk radio across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. And if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.